This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. This episode, doing something a little bit different, a little special, recorded the podcast episode from Elliot's living room down in Kansas, and we talk about our plans for the upcoming hunts. But first, a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right into the podcast. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really want to get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide, with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box? Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, But they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, You can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention, if you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. Dry up. (laughs) What's going on, guys? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host alongside me tonight, Graybeard, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing? (laughs) You're staring right at my Graybeard today. (laughs) Yeah, we're sitting side by side. It's a weird feel for the podcast, Um, but... Here I am out in Kansas, and we're doing a little bit of a impromptu podcast. We'll be talking about the trip and the hunting. So, uh, yeah. But first, how you been doing, Elliot? I'm I'm great. I'm pumped about this weekend. We got two big hunts. The Chiefs play for the chance to go to the Super Bowl for the first time in my entire life on Sunday, <laughs> and it doesn't interfere with our hunting. Awesome. And then I'm off for Martin Luther King Jr. birthday on Monday. So I'm, I'm 
riding high. There you go. I'm excited. I didn't know that that had been the first time they made it to the Super Bowl. This is only the, this is the first AFC Championship game ever at Arrowhead Stadium. Huh. Only the second AFC Championship game they've played in in my entire life. The last one was when Montana was their quarterback. <laughs> Do you remember that Montana was their quarterback for a couple of years? Uh, I I thought he was uh, Dolphin, right? No, that's you don't watch football at all, do you? I do. I do. He was San Francisco 49ers, and they who, won a ton of Super Bowls. He's an all-time quarterback. Who am I thinking of that was a famous quarterback? Dan Reno. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Then Steve Young, Joe Montana got hurt. Steve Young took his place and was like all-world. So when he came back, he was old. The Niners kind of didn't want him back, so he went with the Chiefs for like two or three years mm. and took him to an AFC championship game, and that was the only other game <laughs> That the Chiefs have made it that far and they got beat by Buffalo. Sounds like kind of Peyton Manning with Denver. Um, I'm not like a hardcore football mm-hmm. fan, as you can tell, but you're talking about stuff that's like before my history of watching football. Like yeah. when I started watching football, was in like the era of Peyton Manning yeah. and like Tom Brady battling it out. And that's probably why Kansas never made it to any of the championship games yeah, or we've Super Bowl. And time. Well, we were actually really good before uh, that era of Peyton Manning mm. and Tom Brady. It's like the Marty Schottenheimer years. and But we just always lose in the playoffs. We just suck in the playoffs. <laughs> but this is a different deal with Patrick Mahomes. So, mm. But it's going to be a great weekend. We had a bunch of scouting going on today. And we've got multiple places where birds are located. Golden Boy being golden. Yes. Out there scouting. Yep. Finding yep. piles of Kansas pintails. He, he did. Absolutely. He heard pintails in there today. <laughs> so, And we, were, we saw him last weekend. Um, which... Uh, I always think the pin, the pintails probably like when it goes north when they go back south, but maybe not because he was hearing teal, he was hearing gadwalls, mallards, pintails. But um, in his scout, he didn't see how many birds were in there because he didn't want to get in and flush them. But he heard a bunch. When you when you talk about it, you say his scout, you make it sound pretty official. Is it like tallied, like, and he's got exact bird numbers? Yeah, and- <laughs> he takes a little clipboard out there. F- Fumbles scouted like all day today. He went to Corn's Pond. Didn't see any geese there. He went to this little creek that we thought maybe some mallards on. None were there. He went to two separate lakes. Man. Finally, he found a pile of mallards on his last place he looked. Huh. He sounds like he's pretty golden, too, because he's not even hunting, right? Yeah. He's, he enjoys it. He's just getting out. and Yeah. He had a great time. And I'm, and then I'm, I'm working, and I'm just getting constant texts. You know, <laughs> It's like, nothing here. Oh, I found some birds. You Do know? they send you pictures or no? Um, Fumbles will. He sent, he sent some video and some pictures and... And stuff. I love when I'm at work and I'm getting <laughs> updates. From, well, Golden's not as good as updating oh, during yeah. a hunt. He mm. will some. My dad's like, like when I'm out without my dad, I he wants me to update him constantly and, and hunt vicariously <laughs> through me. And same thing, if I'm working and he's out hunting, I want like, you shoot a bird, you better let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you want the Instagram story, right? It's then. <laughs> fun. It's because then, you know, it's just like hunting vicariously through them. Yeah. But he doesn't hunt much without me anymore. So yeah, we found we found Golden found some birds and it's in the same pool. It was in the pool I was hoping that you could go hunt with us on. Awesome. Because I'm it, we've shot so many mallards out of this hole last year and this year out of this pool. Well, I hope I shoot a pinto. I don't know if uh I don't know if you've listened to the last podcast yet. It was me and Hunter, but we talked about um on my last Indiana hunt I had a chance at some pintail. Um and you listeners already already know that, but you know, for you Elliot um, <laughs> I was I was saying that yeah, this is my only chance for redemption, or I'm gonna have to sit there and think for the long <laughs> off season about that pintail hovering right above me, or the pintail that I missed at 15 yards, and my gun jammed, or you know the pintails that just buzzed the edge of the set that didn't didn't quite work in. So hopefully, you know I'm hoping for a little bit of redemption on those. So how many times did you pull the trigger on a pintail? 
I think I pulled it maybe three times. Okay, oh for three. Yeah. And how many did you pull? What happened? I didn't hear about the gun jam thing. Yeah, so I used my grandpa's A5, and uh, I said this in the last podcast. That thing is a workhorse. Um, like that thing barely ever jams, just ever. It's just you know, old A5s are kind of renowned as a uh, the best kind of waterfowl gun you can have. Um, you know that, in my opinion, they still are. Mm-hmm. But I, <laughs> uh, it jammed for the first time that all season it jammed. We had a pintail. Uh, it kind of it cupped in and didn't didn't decoy right in, but it circled right over top of the blind. We're, we're in the A frame. It comes right over top. And I stand up to shoot this, and one shot, I miss my first shot. I miss my first shot a lot. Um, yeah. Usually my first shot's my worst. I don't know why. Um, maybe a little too excited and pulling the trigger, but um, but yeah, I missed it. The gun jammed on the first shot, unfortunately, so I'll, I'll be thinking about that one all Did year. Did any pintails get shot on the sun? No. <laughs> so all, yeah, I think three of us shot in it, and he comes... Just buzzing right over and we missed so oh my gosh yeah i don't understand how you can have pintails in southern indiana and gadwalls in southern indiana but not in northern so what happens is if you look at kind of the map um for how the migration uh pans out they all kind of come down the west side of uh-huh. lake michigan and then they kind of fan out okay. so we are north or we're south east of Lake Michigan. So they kind of all follow that point and don't just fan out before that. So they follow that and then fan out. So we miss all that migration from that. Oh, man. How far are you from that little bottleneck where they come through along the lake? (laughs) Um, A couple hours, but it's it's more on the Illinois side. Okay. So I wonder how the hunting is there. It's probably phenomenal. It's it's phenomenal. And I've seen, you know, videos and pictures and people have a lot of corn, flooded corn spots over there. And I know uh, I watched a video from Fouled Reality where they did... um, a hunt there as well and uh they're just i think it was a couple years ago but they're only shooting pintail so oh man yeah it's uh got some good stuff right there in that migration well i've been watching the weather knowing you're coming up here this weekend for like it tells 10 days out i've been watching it every day and at first i was like okay i think we're gonna be able to hunt this marsh because i really wanted to get you on a marsh hunt because last time you came up it was just two lakes which are still fun but I would like for, I want you to see as many varied environments here as you can so you can get a full picture of it. And we always do really well in this marsh. Um, I think over like the last 15 hunts, I'm averaging like 4.5 birds. Lifetime at this pool, I'm averaging high threes. In the last two years, like 4.5. So it's just really produces. And the weather's been changing, coming in, coming out. And so I didn't, I thought it was going to be frozen. But then the weather turned to, it's, it's dropping down to, it is going to get down to 18, but we have a north, north wind of about 20, 22 miles an hour. So from what I know in the past, we're almost positive that it's going to be open. Almost positive. If not, we can broke all, but we think it's going to be open. And so I anticipate us shooting birds. I don't know. I hate to call a limit because I don't know <laughs> I was in there, but I mean, we've... I wonder how many times in a row we've limited on this place. Yeah, well, don't count anything out. What did you say last time? We had uh, the Indiana, I <laughs> brought Indiana yeah, luck with me. Yeah, <laughs> but your last Indiana hunt, you guys limited, so. That's things, true. Things are turning, things are looking up. That's true. And uh, I would say, though, that uh, um, there's probably no way that I'm not going to pull your average below your. 
I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I know every time we've hunted this pool this year, we've limited. We're three for three. All right. We're three for three. I'll last take, year. I'll take your word for it. Last year, we hunted it, I think, ten times and limited on it, I think, eight or nine mm. of the ten. So, I mean, we're on our roll with this particular pool. <laughs> and this year, what happened that made it – I don't know why it was so good last year other than not that many people hunt it. And I think that they were just there because people they weren't being hunted. But this year it had been dry all year long and smart we grew up at like in it like crazy and then in early November it flooded so all the smartweed was freshly is so is so fresh compared to all the other all the other food on the whole pro, mm. on the whole area. So, so this is one of your like top honey holes. It is the top honey hole. Hmm. So if you guys I'll tell you what, what I'll do for you guys. If you DM me <laughs> so, some of our most avid followers and I'll drop you guys a pin. So <laughs> that would be your last trip to this house. <laughs> I've shot over 100 100 ducks on, on this pool. I've not that's the only pool out of every place that I have that I've shot over 100 ducks. Oh wow. Ducks. I, I I eclipsed that last year. I got up over 100. Nice. And that's in the last like 10 years. And we don't, I mean, we don't just hunt, 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 hunt. We went because season three of FDH last year was the first time we'd even hunted it because it just wasn't good for a couple of years. So I have to look and see exactly how many times I've hunted it in the past 10 years. But it is our absolute number one spot. Well, I can I can see it now. Skunk's coming tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see. We, I'm taking the big boat with us. So if, if we get there and it's 930 you know whatever and they're not flying we've got a we've got backup options so we got all day if we don't if something happens we don't do well in there then we'll go we can i know there's geese on the river i, I got told there's thousands of geese on the sandbar i know about <laughs> fumbles found all those thousands of mallards at a different lake and he he said he was lucky even find them he's like he didn't see him he, he glassed him with binoculars and he could just see him in the weeds so we've got multiple options i can't imagine us not shooting a few birds either. awesome i i think i mean Everything's setting up to do well. What we got going on here? Are we live over here? You're what are you doing? You're on Instagram live. And he was giving the GPS coordinates to my spot. <laughs> well, hey, this disappears after a while, so. Well, shoot, where's hey, my, I didn't where's my, Instagram. Uh, where's my cameraman at? <laughs> Give me your phone and log into Instagram. <laughs> got any questions from the live audience? Um, How many people are in there? It's more than I haven't gone live on Instagram for a long time. Now there's eleven. I went live last year on a hunt, and uh, I had to drop to drop the phone for a second to water swat a widgeon. <laughs> nice. I have not gone live yet on a hunt. Well, maybe we should do that tomorrow. We can get yeah. we get good reception at this at this. Point. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I did it for quite. A while. I did it for a good 15, 20 minutes last year huh. on, on on a hunt. Fun. Yeah. How long will they let you go? You can go as long as you want. Your phone would die eventually, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adios. There's 15 people now. Oh, you can keep going as long as you want. I don't care. <laughs> so anyway, back back to the podcast. Um, so we're hunting Sunday. Also, the the temperature at one point in time for Saturday night was predicted at negative 11. Yeah, I'm glad they changed that prediction. I am too. Cause... I have never hunted below negative four, <laughs> and that was cold. Mm-hmm. Negative 11. Somebody requested to be on your live. No. Sorry. <laughs> you may not join, sir. <laughs> it was me, man. Not oh, well, you can join. <laughs> I think Seven says, what's the best combo of decoys to use late season? Mallards. White rock Indies. mallards. Mallards and Pool mallards. seven. And someone All says, mallards. when's your season end? Two weekends from now, duck season ends. But there's 
goose season after that as well. Because when you guys. That's a good question. Um, I'm not a big time. I'm not a big diver decoy um, or diver decoy, <laughs> a diver hunter. Yeah. Um, if they come into my set, I'll shoot them. But I, I have never specifically uh, gone after and hunted for divers. Yeah, we don't have a lot of divers in Kansas that we don't ever actually attempt to go after divers. We don't have diver decoys. So my knowledge of divers is very, very limited. It would be very difficult for me to give any kind of But we do have insight. some people that I know. John Lewis hunts them a lot, yeah. um, and he's somebody we've had on the podcast a few times. Might not be somebody bad to have on just for that topic. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we can definitely think of somebody uh, that has more experience than us. And Yeah, they could, the they could inform us, Yeah, and we just ask questions. I would like that. Mm -hmm. I would love to hunt. for If I could get in and hunt for... I wouldn't. I don't really want to go hunt for golden eyes, like specifically. Yeah. But you get me on redheads or scop or obviously canvasback or even like a good ringneck hunt. I would be all for it. Yeah. Or even common merganser hunt. Yeah. <laughs> no, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, limits of fifteen for a reason. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> Gross. Have you ever cleaned a common merganser? Uh, no. They smell disgusting. That's because they are disgusting. The first time we actually shot a bunch of them in the nineties one time because. Um, I had this girl out with me. I just wanted to get her shots and we found a bunch of them and we killed a bunch. And when I took them home and tried to clean them, oh my gosh, you open, you open them up and their breast is all like wrinkly and smells like fish. It's disgusting. That's all they eat. It's disgusting. All they eat is baby trout and then we don't have <laughs> That's any. That's it. Even in Kansas, they find baby trout. They, I mean, they migrate too, right? Baby trout? Um, no, the Mercansers. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do. But they don't eat trout when they're in Kansas. Uh, I guess they're probably what kind of fish you like to fish for whatever kept crappie they probably yeah, they, they probably destroy the crappie population yeah, yeah I imagine <laughs> so but they are, they are disgusting yep. birds yeah we, we must rid them from well I don't know about that but they are gross somebody's yeah. asking um, is yes for me I'd say yes I'd say yes as well we had experience with this last week weekend where we'd pull the mojo or switched it we took it out of the kill hole um and they definitely worked less or didn't work at all without the mojo yeah the common perception is turning more and more anti-spinner and no late season spinners but i have probably 30 different times have tried i haven't been doing well i've pulled the spinner out and not a single time has the situation improved without a spinner the only thing i'd say is i haven't tried like multiple Mojos, I usually only have like one or two, mm -hmm. and this experience was only with one. Now, maybe if you have, you know, I know some people hunt up to up to three. I mean, even more, but uh, I think you're kind of getting a little crazy if you're hunting more than three. Yeah. I think three would be the max I'd ever want to hunt. But let's say you're hunting three in late season, maybe just take it down to one. That's something I'd try to play with. I'm yeah. not sure. I don't yeah. have. I guess the the jury's still out on that on that portion of it. I, and I, I I would say that people who just say, well, they flare ducks. I would ask them, how are you coming to that that conclusion? Because we've talked about this before, that people just make assumptions. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think that birds are more wary late season, but there's a hundred other things they could be wary about um, besides the the spinning wing. Some of you guys use a wonder duck. No, I don't. What's a wonder duck? Um, wonder duck is just a brand of motion decoys. I think I think they're probably talking about the ones that sit on the water and splash. Like a wounder duck. Oh, okay. That's what it looks like. And we actually have one. 
Huh. I think that's what he's probably talking about. So I've seen the um, Lucky Duck splasher decoy, and yeah. that one looks pretty cool. Wonder Duck. We have one. Wonder Duck's similar to that, and we've got one. It's got, like, the orange feet that kind yeah. of splash into the water. Well, Make some good ripples. Kind of like feet. They're little, actually, tags underneath. Yeah, little but little they're supposed tags, to. But... I figured they're orange to look like the feet. Maybe so. I don't know. I, I don't know why we don't use ours more, because we have one. Hmm. And I've got, though, that one from White Rock I never have used, because yeah. I don't have the remote. We've been using a Higdon... Uh, What's it called? Pulsator or something like that uh-huh. uh, this season to give more ripples. I mean, I'm a big fan of more motion. Why don't you use the White Rock one? I, um, I, I have uh, used it in the past. Yeah. It's just uh, I think it goes down to some some of the time the batteries are dead on that. So. Okay. Because I just didn't get the remote. So, and I haven't. I know I can fix it and kind of wire it to work. And there's been days that I, I'm sure that thing puts off more ripples than just like a butt wiggler. It puts out some good ripples. So, someone said it's. Water commotion duck. They are awesome. We we do have one. We do have one. Fumbles has it. I don't know why we stopped using it. I don't remember what issues we, we were having with it. I'm thinking maybe it got when we. I think maybe when we sank the boat, we lost a piece off of it or something. But we we went to those flappers. I bought one of a cheaper brand the first year and lost the the batteries of it up in uh, on the Missouri River up in. Nebraska, and then we got the Wonder Duck, and I think we lost a piece of it when we flipped. We were trying to go heavy to those type of motion decoy, hmm. and just went away from it. Yeah, they're good. They are good. Shotgun and white. Oh, my grandpa's A five. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I have one. I don't know that I have a dream shotgun. You've I, never shot my grandpa's A five. No, I haven't. I did like the A5, and I have always liked Browning. Whatever happened to, like, I know, I used to know that had, like, a Browning Gold. And I've, I haven't heard of those anymore. Those, I've heard of those, yeah. I've never shot one. That's a super high-end shotgun. It's really expensive. But I know I, I, I my first, what's my first? Why do I like? Yeah, I think, you told me sometime you had a Browning. Uh, was a it Browning DPS. Oh. Yes, it was a Browning yeah. DPS. So my first shotgun was a Browning, and so I, and I love their little logo. So mm-hmm. I've always had a little soft spot in my heart for it. <laughs> I, I do like my Beretta shotgun. Um, so I don't really have like a dream. Well, I'll tell you what. Tomorrow, if I shoot my limit first, I'll hand you over the A5 <laughs> and a few shells to finish off yours. All right. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, I did it, like it when I shot your A5. You, you, the, that old A5 is just something special Yeah, in my opinion. I think it's – I mean it's an icon of duck hunting history yeah. at this point. Well, last time you were here, I shot your 12-gauge A5, and I think I was – now, there was some question whether I killed that one or you killed it. And I know you hit it, so you may have been like, <laughs> In my mind, I was three for three that weekend. Or two for two? Yeah, three for three. Yeah. Because I missed one shot, shot two on one shot, and then shot the other. So, yeah, you shot good with it, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the old one just has a different feel to it for me. Because, hmm. I mean, I have both, and I prefer the old one to the new one. Um, and it's part sentimental, and it's part just, I mean, it, it's just something I've shot for a long time and I really enjoy the feel of it. Uh, and then, you know, it's having a, a 20 gauge opposed to 12. Yeah. Obviously having the new one, which is a 12 gives you some benefit as well. So, yeah, I was not that pleased with my a 300 Beretta outlander after 
Last year, I had lots of issues with it, with misfiring, and sometimes it wouldn't cycle. And I was having a little bit of those problems through teal season, and they just went away. And that thing has functioned just beautifully the rest of the year. So mm. I'm really, I almost got rid of it um, after <laughs> last year because I probably had 10 or 11 misfires. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, probably oh, wow. five ducks. Yeah, that's a lot. So, but this year it's, it's handled. The thing I like about a gun like the Breda Outlander is I only paid about $500 for it. So it's not super expensive. Hmm. And um, I got like this special deal like off the internet through Cabela's. But I can, I don't have to treat it like a princess. I don't want, if I'm going to have a really high end gun, it's going to be my sit on the shelf gun until I go on a hunt where I can be cushy. I want to be able to treat my gun like it's a, like it's a tool and just, you know, it's rusty. I don't care. I want it to work. I, I don't want to have to feel like, oh, it gets a little scratch. I'm going to be all pissed off. I just want to be able to use it. And that's what I like about like the, my Outlander. Yeah. And I kind of, you know, had that kind of similar thoughts in my mind. So when my grandpa gave me that A5, kind of, I was like, do I hunt with this or not? I mean, mm -hmm. he hunted with it for years, Upland game. And I don't think with Upland game, you put it through near as much no. wear and tear as you no. do with duck hunting, uh -huh. just because of the water factor for one mm -hmm. thing. And, uh, you know, I just decided that I was going to hunt with it. You know, he gave it to me to use and to hunt and, and, uh, that's kind of how I went with it. I do try to protect it though. Yeah. Well, a lot of it depends on like the kind of hunt. Once you start doing like canoe or kayak hunts where you're laying out, I mean, I take it in in a case, but once it comes out of the case, you know, you're moving all around, it's getting thrown in the boat, it's exposed to the water. It's, it's just a lot different experience than it's just in your truck. You take it out, you pick it up, you walk in. Once you're doing layout boat hunting, it's just harder on all of your gear. Yep. Especially with the water and everything. So. Zero. <laughs> I've been a part of one. Um, I don't know who shot it. I've got two, both Mallard Drakes, and both like I think back to back years. So I've been hunting. This is year number twenty six of duck hunting for me, and I got two. So. And you shoot a lot of birds. Yeah. So it's not a numbers thing for you. My dad only has two as well, and he shot way more birds than I have. Yeah, I mean, I see people who have way more, so I don't know. It's kind of weird. I yeah, I. I, well, I know that, like, um, I can't remember. There's a guy that has a YouTube channel up on the uh, East Coast. Uh, Kill Him Outdoors. Yes, and I specifically contacted him. I was like, how do you have so many bands? Because, like, he's a young guy, and he's got so many. He's like, well, they actually, they banned him up there, and they banned geese up there like crazy. And so they actually target them. There's so many bands there that they they actually look for bands on their legs so yeah and so I, but i don't know how a lot of these guys have the number of bands that they've got because mm -hmm. you think of how many like what is the total count for ducks something like 50 million or something well i think the people that have a lot of bands they ban geese way more than ducks and so you're a majority duck hunter yeah and so that puts you at a, a big disadvantage for like how many bands you're going to get over the years but proportionally let's say you shoot 500 ducks do you think that one in five hundred ducks are banded? Probably not. No. What's the number? One in five. One in five thousand. One. Maybe in, yeah. I mean, you should have to go years and years before you shoot a band. That's why I don't. It's hard for me to understand these guys that even guides that have fifty ba duck bands around their necks. I mean, you would have to get fifty. You probably have to shoot. <laughs> I don't know. Twenty, thirty thousand birds. Yeah. Just statistically speaking. Mm hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I wonder if the if ducks 
kind of return to areas where they get banded and so if you live in a certain area where the banding is higher so yeah if the number is one to five thousand but that number won't be uh the same as far as the ratio in your area yeah and that's the only thing i can think of um because like you said they get a lot in that area mm -hmm. and i know for a fact that there's geese have to be at a higher number um because even when sure. i go to the park if i go to the park yeah I mean, it looks like it's almost like one to a hundred, if if not even more. Yeah, I think it's a they they do a lot of local goose banning. Like uh, Aiden has shot two or three. It's only like his th of goose bands. It's only like his third year hunting, mm. but he's getting these. All of them are local. Yeah, and I told him I'm like, it's that's cool, but you have to put a little asterisk by it. Your dad said maybe <laughs> those bands are handed down from parents to child. That's true. Maybe some of them were bought on eBay. Yeah, that's true. That's a, yeah, that's a funny thing because I've seen so many on YouTube this year. I'm like, did anybody? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think about it from a view standpoint. I mean, we've heard of crazier things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Elliot, your mom, your dad, and your sister are watching. Nice. Hello, <laughs> Snyder family. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um. Well, yeah. Maybe we should. Uh, drop back into the podcast Sorry. kind of mode no that's fine um you had like up to 32 that's great 32 people were i think we can use a lot of that too yeah oh for sure i'm gonna keep all that in the podcast they asked a lot of questions that you normally ask on the lightning round yeah that's true so. well thank you guys for watching uh, make sure if you have not um listened to a lot of the duck gun podcast you can go to google play itunes um i normally listen to it on podbean that's if, if you search for Duck on Podcast, that's the first thing that comes up. Yeah. Is the I don't want to listen to on Podbean. But head, head over there. We've got lots of episodes you can check out and make sure and give us There's a one rating. question. Uh, do you shoot three and a half inch shells? I only shoot threes. Candlesticks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've shot three and a half this year, but um, majority of mine are three inch, especially with 20 gauge. Um, it's good to have the three inch opposed to two and three quarter. But yeah. Yeah. Um, my shotgun won't even take three and a half inch. There's um, one question that was asked uh, a couple times. Call ducks in hard or let the decoys work more. Call ducks in hard or let the decoys work more late. Oh, I, I don't typically late season. I try to go softer. I would say if you're wondering questions about calling, we've had some great episodes on the podcast with uh, Ducklander calls and mm -hmm. recently with uh, JT calls. And uh, one thing I've been doing a lot more is making sure I'm calling on the corners mm -hmm. um, and then not calling at all when they come overhead. Yeah. Um, and volume does matter depending on the distance they're away from you. But if you're look, looking for calling tips, those are great resources for that um, as far as that. And I don't really change up my strategy for the late season, uh, just trying to stick to those things and not necessarily uh, just make sure not to call when they're coming overhead so they don't and also see you can vary it throughout the hunt i mean if you're not getting birds in like start calling less like when we were out aiden and i were out last hunt and for hours there was ducks everywhere so we tried calling hard we tried not calling at all we tried calling soft nothing was working but <laughs> i mean at least you know you're varying it up to see what they're responding yeah. to and it's really hard to figure out how to call or what way to call mm -hmm. if they're not working yeah. you have to have some work first and if they start working your set and then you call them on the corners and respond to that, then you kind of have like signals to work off of, oh, this is working. But when nothing's working, it's really hard to figure out how to call. Yeah. I know that Bobby from Ducklander Calls, Bobby Hayes, you know, he, he said something about that most of the time when people scare ducks with a duck call, it's too loud of a volume and close. And mm -hmm. I've been trying to think about that a lot. Um, soft 
softer and be quieter, especially when they're not, and not to blow when they're right over your head because they can be like, you know. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely one thing I've been doing too. And then calling on the corners, you can really see um, good response from that too. Yeah, there's nothing more fun is when you blow at them on the corners and they they flip like, yeah. like you're pulling a rope. That is <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, yeah. That was a blast. Okay, one more question. When's your next episode? Mine will be Monday, probably. Yeah, I'll have it done Monday, I'm sure. For YouTube? Yeah, you mean YouTube, or I'm assuming you're saying you, they mean YouTube. I'm assuming YouTube. Okay. Podcast, when's the next podcast coming out? Um, Next week, we'll have some coming out. Um, we've been po- posting them on Fridays and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, this week's a little bit different because we're doing ours now instead of on Saturday. Uh, but we do, I guess the podcast episode isn't out yet with JT, but that one will be coming out next week, and then this one... Um, and yeah so on YouTube I don't know the next day I have my next episode but next week I'll be having um, hunts come out on YouTube as well yeah I'm gonna work hard to get one out Monday but we're hunting Saturday and Sunday so it might not be till Tuesday but I'll try to get it out Monday okay your your battery is dying alright we gotta go thanks for joining us guys 30's not bad at all in there (laughs) well thanks for uh Sticking through that podcast, listeners, we had a little bit of a impromptu Instagram live, and so you guys got to be part of that as well. So, and don't forget to go over and follow <laughs> us on Instagram at Freelance Duck Hunting and uh, at Duck Gun Chronicles. And uh, yeah, we have content like that, Instagram stories, and all that kind of good stuff. So this is kind of this podcast all over the place, but <laughs> you know that's cool. So I want to take a second to talk to you guys about a partner of ours, a company called Lightsall, and they sell. Um, lights of all kinds, lanterns, um, headlamps, uh, torches, all sorts of fantastic outdoor lighting equipment. Um, we, we get the most use out of the headlamp for our waterfowl hunting. Best headlamp I've ever had. Just absolutely in love with it. So go on over to Lightsall, L-I-T-E-Z-A-L-L.com and check out their products. And you can use the promo code DuckHunt10. You can use the promo code DuckHunt10 and get 10% off. Make sure and go over and check that out and check that check that out and see their products because we're certainly using it and loving it a lot. Yep, definitely can second that. All right, let's jump back into the podcast. Well, and that was nothing compared to what we saw in this pool last time and then even what Aiden and I saw last Saturday was just constant. You couldn't go 15 seconds without seeing mm. None of them wanted to come play, but still, you get to watch them. Yeah. So. And I shot my 100th duck on that. Which I'm, I, I always try to say, you know, I'm trying not to chase numbers, but I really have wanted to shoot 100 ducks for a long time. <laughs> so ever since my dad shot 100, I was like, I, I, at some point, I really want to shoot 100 ducks in a year. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with chasing numbers, like challenging yourself to do something, having goals. I mean, that's all great, you know, and that's how you push yourself and become better, you know. And I mean, that's one thing I think we both strive to do when we're, you know, talking about different ways to improve like our setups with our mojo or decoy mm-hmm. spreads or calling everything is so you're a better hunter. So yeah. that number is a kind of a way, a milestone to, you know, kind of show your improvement as a duck hunter over the years. Yeah. And if you didn't have 25 years of experience, you probably wouldn't have shot 100 ducks this year, even if it is an anomaly a year as far as how many ducks you have in the area. Yeah, we were really efficient this year. We were really, really efficient. And I, and also another thing that's so sweet about it is that, you know, my first two seasons of Freelance Duck Hunt on YouTube were so terrible. 
And after the end of the second years, I was just getting tons of comments about how we're no good. We can't kill ducks. And, and, you know, I actually, I kept a pretty good head about it. It didn't let it, I mean, I was down and, but I mean, it, whether I was putting the videos on YouTube or not, if I go through long stretches of not killing ducks, it starts getting to you, Yeah. you know, but then you compound that, that I'm publicly displaying it in front of everyone. Season one was bad. Season two was, I'll probably never have another year that bad, you know, and it just like looking incapable of being efficient, an efficient duck hunter. <laughs> You know, that was really frustrating. Yeah. Um, so then for season three to be amazing and then season four to blow season three away is just really, uh, it's been a roller coaster of emotions with that whole thing to, you know, I don't need to be perceived as like, cause I'm not the best tuck hunter <laughs> in the world or the most knowledgeable cause I'm not, I've got lots to learn, but you know, we've invested a lot of time in this and we certainly want to be um, viewed as capable of killing ducks or of knowing what we're doing and and you know not just be someone out there stumbling around that can never get it done you know yeah so, yeah it's that that's made it even sweeter yeah for sure and i guess kind of to add on to that numbers thing um it's definitely nothing nothing wrong with chasing numbers as long as it doesn't change your ethics and you know all that kind of yeah. stuff and with you, it obviously doesn't. But I guess that's just like what we'd hear from people if we if all we said. But I will say numbers. this: I will say this. Since I started the YouTube channel, I was just I had just gotten to the point in my life before I started the YouTube channel that I really was totally not a kill dependent duck hunter. I mean, I was we weren't traveling back to the center central part of the state because I was just like, you know what? I love these environments. Now, if I went long stretches without any success, I would get frustrated. Don't get me wrong, but my desire to kill ducks now are much greater. I can't enjoy the zero hunts as much now that I'm broadcasting them just content wise as I did before. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of, you know, the five, the five scale yeah. um, stages, putting my stuff on YouTube is actually kind of pushed me back on that scale. <laughs> regression. It really, especially the first two years being so horrible. Then it's like, I it does. It definitely adds some added pressure. If you're trying to create content and you can't because you're not killing any ducks. And we've yeah. experienced that yeah. a little bit myself and in, in doing some stuff with HTR, just with the poor migration and, you know, timing of the freeze ups and all that kind of stuff. It's just, yeah. Been some frustration on that end as well. Yeah. So hopefully we'll end it strong. And I, man, if we could go out and get a limit tomorrow, that would just, oh, I'd have a grin ear to ear. Oh, yeah. You being here. That'd be We'd awesome. Just have an awesome hunt and pound them. There was geese in there, shoot a few geese or whatever. That would just be, <laughs> yeah. get great video of it. That'd be cool. Yeah. Get a, you know, maybe four to six pentels. No, nothing yeah. too big. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I, I've, I, this is the first year I haven't shot a pentel for quite a while. Well, it's I'm not, not over yet. This year. I, looking at my numbers, I shoot about the same number of pintails as I do like widgeon or like widgeon, pintail, um, what other duck? I shoot more gadwalls. But just some of those secondary birds, it's all about the same number. It's like a couple a year. I'm trying, I'm trying to think back to uh, when we started the Instagram Live there. What, what exactly were we talking about? I just want to make sure we didn't leave anything hanging there. Uh, I think we we're talking about our Sunday hunt. Okay, yeah. So, well, Sunday hunt. So, Saturday night it's supposed to get now. Yeah, because it was supposed to be negative 11. Yep. And now it's changed to 6 to 8 degrees, which is still cold, but 
that's a whole 15 degrees difference in <laughs> 11. That's a difference between 30 and 15 or yeah. 45 and 30. That's a big difference. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, which is weird. I was thinking about this because you never see the forecast just jump in a couple days from like 30 to 45. Just like completely switch. But this went from like a predicted negative 11 to a 6 like overnight. That's like a weird amount of a, of a prediction change. Yeah. 15 degrees. And it's actually supposed to be negative 10 at home. Um, in northern Indiana on that same day. So it's kind of maybe the front kind of shifted or where yeah. the, the high pressure mm-hmm. point is going to be. I don't know. I'm not a weatherman. I just know it's changed, and I'm glad that we're going to be hunting in six-degree weather and warmth compared to <laughs> yeah. negative 10. Well, so that day, so tomorrow we're hunting a marsh because we're, we are pretty convinced it's going to be ice-free. These marshes, even though we've been getting lows, ice you just cannot predict because when these marshes before we hunted it and it got down to 29 30 degrees and had skim ice all over it this week has been all like 27 at night and there has not been ice formed anywhere nothing has ice (laughs) on it nothing does you know what would be a cool a cool podcast i just thought of and maybe i shouldn't say this even because this might be hard to do but have some kind of like biologist or somebody who can tell you like how ice forms yeah because i know it has something to do with like even like how dirty the water is um even stuff like that for how easy it is for ice to form yeah so if we had like some kind of ice specialist maybe this is way too in depth but you know because it's so hard to tell on certain days like you know if it's going to be turned into ice and you think about all the factors like what was the water temperature prior to that was it you know sitting right there at 33 degrees when you went and checked oh it's open it's open completely and then you go there in the morning and it's froze up or you know the wind direction which part of that is it going to keep it open Mm -hmm. because we've had where it's kept a hole open from the wind but you know depending on the direction it's on a different side of the pond um or i mean there's just a number of factors that you could play into that you know what type of precipitation or if any or wind speed wind direction all of that kind of stuff so i don't know it's maybe, hard to predict yeah maybe maybe that's something that's cool or maybe that's over the top i don't know we'll see we'll see if it'll it's hard to predict <laughs> so tonight we're going from i think it's probably about it just started snowing so it's been raining it's turned to snow we're going to get between two and five inches the temperature right now is probably about 32 and like every hour from now till like eight it's going to go down one degree so it's gonna go by. It's gonna get down to about 19 degrees by about eight o'clock. Um, but we've got a north wind about 20 to 25. And this place we're hunting, I know for a fact, this section of this pool stays open longer because I've hunted it before when it was the only thing open. And we've got a north wind coming right through it. We're we're going into the night with zero ice anywhere. So we're banking on the fact that this pool is gonna be open tomorrow morning. And I really really anticipate that it will. Then the next day, the next night, Saturday night going into Sunday, it's going to get down to six. So that will certainly, I would assume, lock up all the marshes, I would think. So we're going to have to make a decision as to what we want to do on Sunday. So they should be two totally different hunts. We may go to the Kansas River. Um, there's a lake that I've had good success on late season that just does not freeze. I mean, it was, this place just wouldn't freeze last year. The, even this cove we hunted and kept having success on, it was like zero degrees one day or out there and just no ice. Mm. Ice is just such a mystery. But I think that would be the only thing that would screw us up tomorrow is if we go in and it's just totally got all this ice over it, but it's and we can't get a hole open because it's too thin to fully get it out of there. 
and then the birds just aren't showing up for whatever reason. Maybe they leave and go south again. <laughs> I don't know, but I think that's the only thing that would screw us up. But then, although w- when we had our uh, weather podcast, the biggest thing um, for success was having pretty much snowy, wintry mixed weather for shooting birds. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. I I think I think we'll have a interesting fun hunt. And what's the what's the set plan for Sunday then? I don't, don't know. We don't have it yet. We're we, still. I, I don't know. We'll see some. what happens today. Um, I would kind of like to run the river with our white rocks and go to where Nevin and Elijah, my dad, hunted last time. There was there's been a ton of mallards in that spot all year. Well, I, I know two times my friend went in there. There was tons of mallards. Then we went in there and we didn't see. We hunted the wrong spot. We flushed a bunch of them coming out. I think that would be a decent place to go. It's going to be cold. I can only assume that, I mean, the marshes have to freeze. They just have to. Yeah. I mean, we could always, another thought would be, because Aiden, Aiden thinks he's going to try to go into this place tomorrow again Sunday for just like an hour and a half. So we could always, because if, <laughs> if we go to the river, we're not going to go as early because we'll get there about an hour before dark, before shooting light. So I'm thinking, well, we could always have Aiden get in there. And if he says, hey, it's open. Then we haul in there. If not, then we sleep in an extra hour and, and go to the river. That's actually a really yeah. Good that's idea. a that's a solid plan. Because for our second day, it'd be nicer to sleep yeah. in a little bit. Because um, I don't, I'm not a big fan on running that river just in the dark. Although it's safe because it's up and there's no trees or anything. I just, <laughs> I'd prefer to get in there and flush birds out like right at, like if we if we lo- if we launch the boat right about shooting time or even a half an hour before that. And then kind of get in there where we can see where the birds are and go from there. But I think that's a great idea. We'll get Aiden to go in there and see if it's open again. It would be very golden of him. <laughs> he does all sorts of golden stuff. Freak Baby's making the trip tomorrow. Mm. She's got a new outfit. <laughs> I'll show you here. She's up on the mantle. Mm. If you don't know who Freak Baby is, I'm not going to go through the whole story. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is probably a good point to wrap it up. But uh, you got anything else you want to add? Nope. I'm just pumped. I, I just hope that we go out there tomorrow and really get into them and have a really fun talk on our next one of our next podcasts. Yeah. So this is I mean, this kind of turned into the part one to the part two. So we'll have a part two episode of the hunt update coming up. Um, you'll see if all our predictions and everything went as planned. I can guarantee you that nothing will ever go as planned. So yeah, yeah. If we, I mean, if we shoot our limit in an hour, that's not going as planned. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I'm not planning on that. <laughs> Never know. So that's all we got for today. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys tuning in with with us week in and week out. Um, real quick, big favor for us: make sure you head over to iTunes and shoot us that five-star review. We really appreciate it. It helps us out a lot. And share this podcast with a buddy. Um, This podcast is actually going to come out pretty close to the one-year anniversary of Duck Gun Chronicles. We've been doing this for a year now. Um, Duck Gun Podcast? Did I say Duck Gun Chronicles? Yeah. Duck Gun Podcast. (laughs) We've been doing this for about a year now. So um, when this comes out, it'll be pretty close. I'm not sure the exact date. I should have looked at the calendar first. But I'm not a big one on dates anyway. But just kind of throwing that out there. And we, it's been a ride. It's been a lot of fun um, watching it grow, uh, seeing you guys, the big community, come together. And, and yeah, so we really appreciate you guys. But that's all we got. I'm Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. And we'll see you guys on the next one.